We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, everybody. You are tuned in to the Roto Grinders NFL Food for Thought podcast. I'm your host, Justin Carlucci, alongside of my co-host, my man, the Chief, Will Priester. Will, Will, do people call you Will, William, Bill? Do you, get a, do you ever get a bill? Like, are Williams bills? Or you just go by Will? No, just Will, actually. Just my, Will. My real name is uh, Willie. Oh, but every, every no one calls me that, not even my parents. <laughs> I am Will to the whole, everyone in my family calls me Will. Where there's a will, there's a way, my friend. There it is. How was your weekend? It was good. Um, you know, watch some uh, football, basketball, hung out, didn't do too much. That's about it. Well, as relaxing as that sounds, some of the stuff we witnessed on Sunday NFL action was about as bonkers as anybody could have predicted. We saw some crazy stuff. I can't wait to get into this podcast in our Elephant in the Room segment. Of course, we're going to break down what we saw on Sunday. We're going to give you a recipe for success segment, a look ahead. We're going to give you a GPP food of the day where we talk about some food. And if you haven't tuned in with us previously to any of our NBA podcasts we've done, we love talking about some food and we love to hear about your local venues and your local spots and where the best foods are. We're big foodies here and we like to travel. And of course, the story time at the end with some craziness in our lives that has been going on. But speaking of craziness, we got to give a huge shout out to our guy over here at Roto Grinders, Grant. Had a huge, huge win. Well, my book is a win. Third place in the national sports betting contest. Just unreal stuff there. And if you're completely unfamiliar with what the what the sports betting competition is, hosted by DraftKings, is 
each contestant starts with X amount of bankroll and you have, what is it all weekend, like two days to run that thing up. However you can, yeah. and based on how much money you have at the end of the weekend is kind of where you rank in the leaderboard and you win additional money, you know, based on where you, where you finish. So Grant uh, came in third chief and um, I know he took home over a hundred K as a prize. And I think he ran his bankroll up to around six figures as well. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's over well over 200,000. Uh, huge weekend. well over yep well over man and and you you're heav- heavily invested in you know props prize picks thrive fantasy a lot of betting give me the the the, the degree of difficulty of having such a a hot weekend like that and running it up to where he did for the people who are more dfs oriented and don't put in a ton of bets chief like that how what, what what's the scale here on how difficult that was to to kind of uh, you know, be as sharp as he was this weekend. Uh, I'm saying in terms of because Grant stuck to his thing, which was props, and uh, I would say us on a scale of one to ten, competing against that many people. I, I mean, I'd say a ten. Like it's look, you're gonna find some. Here's the thing, especially when it comes to to prop lines, right? It's really all about identifying inefficiency and and what you think the, you know the outcome is going to be because at the end of the day, I we're not trying to hunt for players, we're trying to hunt for inefficiency in in the in the prop game. And so and it's not going to hit every time, right? But you know, if you've got a guy that's got an 80% hit rate over or under, and I, I do want to push that because our minds tell us to do overs all the time, but unders are just as, just as profitable. Um, you know, that, that's where really where, where you want to be. So I, um, I'm always trying to hunt for inefficiency. It's never about the player. It's all about how they've been performing compared to where Vegas sets the line. And if, if you can get that in your head, you can be, really successful at this but it's not it's not easy like you know I, I you know combing through a whole board of props is I don't want to say it's too time consuming because it's not that it's a different process than your traditional DFS you know a traditional DFS to me it's more like a puzzle and you're trying to find that right combination of salary and player and upside and taking a risk here and taking a risk there and and when you're talking about props and parlays it's all about um you know it's like building your own gpp every day you know where i don't have to compete against dk or FanDuel or excuse me i don't have to compete against my, my boy carlucci here or uh, or stevie or, or cards or anybody i'm competing against myself first of all because i need to get it right and the house the house is banking on me making a mistake and I'm banking on myself to get it right. And, you know, over the course of a weekend, all of that to say, over the course of a weekend, Grant did an exceptional job at getting things right. And so my, my hat goes off to him. Take my hat off my head, too. Unreal weekend for Grant. Uh, he's so good at what he does. And uh, Grant, as well as Chief, myself, the rest, and most of our Roto Granders team is over there on scoresandodds.com. And we are... Uh, you know, posting many picks daily in multiple sports, 
a lot of props, game lines, etc. Uh, you know, means he's always putting out some early morning stuff, which is awesome. And um, speaking of which, um, Aaron Gordon is going to cost me a lot today, a lot. That I could let me just say that. And so today is one of the days where I'm getting it wrong. And uh, you know, when when it's one of those days that you got Aaron Gordon and it's like, come on, guy. Uh, you know, it, it's frustrating to say the least. Weird fit in that Denver rotation, and but with Michael Porter Jr. not in the mix, eh, you know, we'll leave that for the NBA morning grind. We are the NFL food, but I do miss talking. Hey, you know what? My man. Yeah, I mean, look, guy. I'm sorry. I know it's football, but that that's probably. And guess what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to chuck that up to me. I should have known that with MPJ out, suddenly Aaron Gordon was going to figure out that, hey, I need to rebound the basketball. And uh, so that's on me. I'm not, I can't blame Aaron Gordon for that one. That one's definitely on me. Well, you know what's on me is I thought the Dallas Cowboys were going to be the GPP stack of the weekend to own. And I talked about it on the Food for Thought last week. And boy, was I wrong about the Dallas Cowboys. And I will just own that. And uh, I am completely shocked as to that outcome. That, But hey, that being said, that might not even be the, mo- the, the most surprising outcome to me out of all the garbage we saw on Sunday. I shouldn't say garbage, but God the NFL where one play dictates an entire season, a game, which is why it's so frustrating, so addicting as a fan to watch because every week the best team gets knocked off. The competition, the margin for error is zero. And every week we are left scratching our heads and you can get 95% of things right one week, but maybe that 5% will cost you. I got way less than 95% of things right last week. And that that's on me. I was totally wrong about Dallas. A terrible week on main slate, but that's the beautiful thing about, about DFS. But the Dallas Cowboys, we are jumping right into our elephant in the room segment here where we talk about some of our biggest takeaways from the previous week. At home, Theodore Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos came marching right into Jerry's world. And boy, oh boy, did they put Jerry on another planet after that one. Give me something, Chief. What the hell happened in Dallas, Texas on Sunday? I'm going to tell you what happened. And this is probably going to be one of the most non-analytical, analytical uh, uh, responses you're going to get from me. But that's okay, because what is this podcast? (laughs) <laughs> it's not your mama's i can tell you that <laughs> it's food for thought you guys know this pod is fun but we're going to give out information you know that if you've been listening you you know the vibe of this pod. come on down to the barbershop get your hair cut talk some sports talk about you know your kid being the next superstar and go back home and and uh and, and watch some games here's what i will say about the dallas cowboys and teams alike. We were caught up in a weird time-space continuum this weekend where what actually happened was 
the Cowboys put on Broncos jerseys and Broncos put on Cowboys jerseys along with the Raiders putting on Giants jerseys and the Giants putting on Raiders jerseys and the Bills putting on Jaguars jerseys and the Jaguars putting on Bills jerseys. Uh, What a weird weekend it was. Uh, The Titans put on Rams jerseys and the, the Rams put on Titans jerseys. Here's what happened, man. It's a make or miss league. And that's a reference to ESPN, NBA, the jump when that show was going. It's not called the jump anymore. It's something else. NBA today. Uh, You talked about it being one uh, teams being one play away in the NFL. In the words of my good friend, non-friend Stephen A. Smith, it's fluid, right? Every week this season, you watch all the the television, all the shows, across all networks, and everybody's saying the Bills are the best team in football, and they get knocked off. And they're saying, hey, you know, the Raiders, the Raiders have arrived. They've turned a corner, and they get knocked off. What are the Saints going to do without Jameis? They should still be able to win this game at home. They get knocked off. The Bengals lose to the Jets. I mean, beat up on Baltimore. They get knocked off. Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings with Cooper Rush. Theodore Bridgewater, I love that, comes into town with the Broncos, riding high, literally, mile high, that is. The Cowboys get knocked off. And at this point, you said it's fluid. And at this point, I was ready to drink many fluids after what we watched. <laughs> let, let me continue. Correct. Let me continue your space time talk here. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, the get right spot of all get right spots against Jordan Love's Packers, who couldn't sustain a single drive. And they put up 13 measly points. I thought we talked about Travis Kelsey was going to be resurrected from the dead last week. It didn't happen, Chief. No, it, he lost it did in not. space. He's lost in space. <laughs> Good movie reference, by the way, for those of you <laughs> that didn't catch that. And we're not uh, done. We're not done there. We're not no. done there because there's no Kyler Murray. There's no DeAndre Hopkins. And Arizona's on the road. And they absolutely thump the 49ers who had George yeah. Kittle back. Yeah. Um, Ravens winning OT, which I mean, that, that that's probably one of the closest games we saw a weekend. And your Tennessee Titans march into Los Angeles. Uh, King Henry, nowhere to be found on the field, that is. Rams probably thought they had an easy one, probably thought it was a layup win. And lo and behold, the Tennessee defense is what's coming to play. Uh, What a week for football. And I I actually think this may be, Luch, one of the most intriguing seasons, intriguing seasons we've seen in a while. Here's why. Everyone expects Patrick Mahomes to throw for 300 yards every game and three touchdowns and be Mr. Magnificent. 
and throw the ball all around the field and throw no looks and behind the backs and, you know, and that's not happening. This team is on the struggle bus. We anointed, not we, I'm saying the media, and I'm going to consider myself a part of the media. The media anointed the Cowboys as NFC champions and going to the Super Bowl. And while this loss to the Broncos may not mean as much as we think, they still lost to the Broncos. The Jets keep finding ways to score points and almost uh, and uh, considerably knock off high-end opponents. I'd be very afraid if I had to play the Jets this week. They got a long week. Are they on a bye? I need to check that. Uh, no. Guess who they're playing this week? I wouldn't want to play the Jets right now if I was Buffalo. I really wouldn't. This is not a good week to play the Jets. They, they've had 10 days to prepare for this game almost. You're coming off a loss to Jacksonville. And, and here's the thing, Luch. I do want to hone in on this game because not only did they lose, they couldn't muster up any points. Like, it's one thing, I think, if they would have lost 34-31, where it was a back-and-forth affair, and it's like, okay, Trevor Lawrence came to play today, this Jaguars offense came to play, and, you know, they just they got it done. And a loss is a loss is a loss. Doesn't matter what the score is. When there's an L, it's an L. But they lost 9-6. to And this is supposed to be a high-powered offense. Same thing for for Kansas City. Supposedly a high part, but we haven't really seen them blow the top off since the, since the Washington or the uh, Philly game, right? So I it's an interesting season. Nobody's safe. Nobody. Who do the Titans play this week? Uh, New Orleans Saints. Oh, God. Just start praying now so you guys believe in prayer. Because it's been such a weird season. New Orleans could come out of this game and look like world beaters. They could. Who, who am I to say? That, that front seven is the real deal in New Orleans, man. But uh, I, I think, I will say, I think the Titans were wearing their own jerseys because nobody wants to believe that the defense made a transformation from the defense everybody picked on last year. They picked on them the first couple of weeks of this season. They had blown coverages. They had injuries. It was horrible. I mean, they're giving up blown coverage after blown play and terrible field position. Uh, well, you know what? They get healthy. You know, they get their front four intact. Intact. They're top five in the league in sacks. They're top five in the league in quarterback pressures. And, and that's a scary thing if you're in offense. And we're oddly enough starting to see all of that fall into place and I know you're huge on uh, props and taking some defensive props, and I'm hoping you eyed up some David Long Jr. tackles props because that man is everywhere, all five, six and a half of them on that Tennessee defense. And um, shout out to Kevin Byard, maybe the best, maybe the best safety in football right now. Just unbelievable stuff from that Titans team, and I think they showed a lot of grit going out there without Henry, and it wasn't pretty, but they really flexed on the Rams. And the game was won in the trenches, and uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. That being said, I would not be shocked whatsoever if Trevor Simeon and company marched in the Nissan and, you know, won by a field goal or a touchdown because that <laughs> it's all about scheming and coaching. And, you know, the t- an underrated thing the Titans did was bring in Jim Schwartz to, to help out that defense who's 
been around the block. Oh, here's the thing, lot. too. I- I'm glad you mentioned Jim Schwartz because, look, man, uh, a lot of times we see guys as head coaches, right? And we kind of write them off and we think they're bad coaches. They may just not be the head coach mold, right? It, it t- to me, it takes a special person to be a head coach because not only do you have to galvanize the troops that are on the field, you've got to get a coaching staff that believes in your philosophy and how you want to do things. Right. And yeah, there's an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and a line coach and a running back. There's a lot of moving parts, but everyone has to buy into that coach's vision, including the front office. And so being a head coach is, 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 is a tall task. But I want you to look around the league, Luch, and look at a lot of these former head coaches that are back in coordinator roles and look at the success of how things are going, i.e. Dan Quinn in Dallas. Now, I know they didn't look good this week, but Dallas has absolutely improved on defense. It's probably because he can actually focus on defense. Jim Schwartz, you know, uh, what was the name of the coach that was that was in the Broncos? Uh, Vaughn, what was his name? At any rate, I think he's I think he's the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals. Look at how their defense has improved, right? Uh, you know, Bruce Arians took him a while to just kind of figure it out, right? But he's figured it out. Um, you know, other guys that have kind of gone back into coordinator roles. Lovey Smith is back in a coordinator role again. Uh, so many things that you can do as a coordinator that you can't do as a head coach. You can probably be a little bit more hands-on. You you, you don't have to be uh, the quote-unquote uh, top of the food chain, right? You can just kind of come in, do your job, make sure things get done, right? Keller Moore looks like a superstar. We don't know if he can be a head coach yet. He's a great offensive coordinator. Uh, you, you can look at failed coordinators, such as Joe Judge. <laughs> right? Matt yeah. Nagy. Um, and, God, what, what's the name of the coach? Uh, is this Stefanski? Not Stefanski. God, I, I like the coach from Tennessee. What is his name? Arthur Smith? No, the, the coach. Oh, Vrabel. Yeah, Frank Vrabel. You know, he's kind of become an exception, right? He's a defensive guy, and everybody's like, what's going on with this defense? And now it's like, okay, maybe they're clicking on all cylinders. My point is, being a head coach is a tall task. My hat goes out to Jim Schwartz on this podcast for getting the job done as a coordinator. You know, and it's a pride thing because you kind of, you know, wow, I didn't get it done as a head coach want to be involved to some high degree and you kind of get thrusted back into that, you know, second in, in charge kind of role almost. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, speaking of, I mean, there are some coordinators that are just really going to be exciting uh, to see where they land in the future. I mean, God, I mean, you talk about, I'm thinking, you know, how where's Eric? Uh, you know what? How do you say his last name? Benami or whatever. He interviewed. You know, can't, Chiefs oh, B- office. 
Bien-Ami. Uh, Bien-Ami. And he has his work cut out for him right now. So if he can fix this mess, that might even boost his resume even more. Byron Leftwich, I think, will be a hell of a coach one day, too. I mean, of course, he's got Tom Brady to work with. But the flawless transition, it wasn't just Brady. It was a, a team effort to make it a flawless transition and immediately win a Super Bowl. So I'm excited but, to see where some of these coordinators end up. And, and, and I, 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 I absolutely agree with you. Here's what I'm saying, though. And, and this is just me, like, going off down a rabbit hole tangent. What's wrong with saying, hey, guys, thanks for the head coaching offers? I just really like being a coordinator. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I think when guys are good as a coordinator, we're expecting them to say, I want to be a head coach. But that may not be the case. By- Byron Leftwich may very well say, look, man, I just, you know, I, I want to be the best offensive coordinator I can be. I love this part of my job. I love this portion of coaching. And so while as humans, I know we want to push ourselves to the limit, I respect it. But man, there's something to me about knowing your niche, right? You find your niche, you roll it, and he could probably get an offensive coordinator job anywhere in this country. You know what I mean? Let's say Bruce Arians leaves and they want to let go of the staff. Trust me, people will call Byron Leftwich and say, hey, can you come and fix this offense? So anyway, I, I, I'm I, done. I, I, I think of Josh McDaniels and his weird saga of always supposedly going to be a highly touted head coach was supposed to go to Indy. That didn't work out. He was the head coach of Denver for a couple of seasons, I think. And then he's back with New England again, right under Bill Belichick. So, you know, one of those guys, he was with New England for what? I mean, geez, I think 12, 13 years. Um, before he left for a couple of seasons and uh, and and came back. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's some guys where they just they're excellent in the roles they are at. And, um, you know, hopefully some of them are cool. That, but it is really nice to see the growth of some of these guys. And um, you're right. Rabel is an anomaly. And as a Titans fan, it's been a rocky road because he was heavily involved in a lot of the play calling on both sides of the ball. And there was at one point where I thought he bit off a little more than he could chew over the last couple seasons, but between him and the Titans GM, John Robinson, I mean, yeah, no one gives the Titans credit, but I'm enjoying a fifth straight winning season. And that is a rarity as an NFL team and an NFL fan have five straight winning seasons. And they're not always pretty, Um, but it's a fun ride as a fan right now, the way they're knocking off people. I mean, the Colts twice, the bills, the Chiefs, and you say, well, the Chiefs aren't good. Well, they throttle the Chiefs, you know? They go into the Rams' house, and the defense looks like, you know, the 86 Bears. I mean, it's it's fun, and it's fun when your team's the underdog, and uh, that was cool to go off on a little bit of a, of a coaching uh, tangent there. Maybe on the next show we could do a little homework and, and do a little fun stuff and maybe like, like peg our 10 favorite uh, coordinators to see who we think would be good head coaches or something like that. I think that would be... Uh, a lot of fun, but a lot of yeah. talent, a lot of talent everywhere in the NFL. And, um, you know, I think uh, Robert Sala is going to do an amazing job with the Jets. And I think they're close. Like, I think they're close-ish. They have a defensive line. You know, they got a front seven. They have some really young pieces on offense there. Um, and I think, you know, Sala did a great job with the Niners. So I think the Jets shorter term-ish is uh, it's going to be fun for them. What, what are your thought about, thoughts about the Jets? In the near future, near well, future. I, I, you know, I year, two years, or something like that. Yeah, I still think they're a young coaching staff. Um, and they probably got to find their groove just like the players have got to find their groove. Um, do they have their quarterback? We don't know, right? But they do have some weapons now. Yeah. Uh, Michael Carter is a weapon. 
Uh, Elijah Moore is a weapon, you know, and then they've got, you know, Elijah Moore, an older version of Elijah Moore with Jamison Crowder. You know, they brought in Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis got hurt. You know, I'm look, bottom line is you got to have one of the better offensive lines in this league if you want your offense to thrive. And it's like, where are you going to allocate the assets? But I do think Salah wants to win. I don't think he's trying to shave games. I think the guys are playing hard. And, they, you know, if they can keep knocking off uh, top-tier opponents, look any, out. Any given look, Sunday. Look out. Any given Sunday. Speaking of, maybe we'll rattle off our favorite football movies on the next pod for some fun, too, and I, as I'm going a little Al Pacino any given Sunday there. All right, that being said, fun tangent and – you know, I'm glad we agreed we're floating in space somewhere with every with everything that's going on in the past <laughs> week. Um, so, but for, but for real, for real, can you even diagnose the Dallas Cowboys, or is it just one of those first game back with Dak? I don't know, like one of those things. Like every team can brush one of these losses under the rug, I, I suppose. But they they showed me nothing, and that made me sad. <laughs> yeah. Um... I think you have to understand that in, in the NFL, this is probably the hardest league to go undefeated in, even though the NBA has more games, right? Um, you're definitely not going undefeated in baseball. It's too many games. And it's kind of too many games in the NBA as well. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of the punishment these guys take and, uh, you know, every, every game in the NFL is important. Right. In the NBA, you can lose, you know, you know, you can kind of look at your team and say, look, man, we just didn't have it tonight. It's OK. Right. And you can be 20 and five and, and, and you can lose and be 20 and six. And it's like, hey, man, it's a what, what do people say in the NBA? It's a long season. Right. They say that it's a long season. The NFL is one of the shortest, longest seasons you're going to have. If you go 0 and 1 and you go 0 and 2. You go 0 and 3. And, you, and watch this. If you go 0 and 4, that typically that was a quarter of your season. And now you're like, whew, you're feeling the pressure. Dallas is in one of the weakest divisions in football. So I don't think that they are worried. However, this may hurt their long term chances if they're trying to think about home field advantage down the line, because they've already lost to the Broncos. They've already lost to Tampa Bay and if Tampa Bay is winning, they're going to have the head to head. They're going to have to go there. You see, it's, it's so it's these little implications along the way and God forbid they lose to someone in the division like the Eagles or the giants or the Rex, uh, the football team. Then now it's getting really ugly because even if they win a division, they may have to go on the road every game. They already probably are, are getting close to having to go to Arizona if Arizona keeps rattling off wins. So you see, it's like these little micro things that happen where you lose it, you lose the game that you probably should have won. And lo and behold, now when it comes down to the, the end of the season, you're in this weird predicament. And I do think home field matters in the playoffs. Speaking of and you mentioned the Bengals, man, time moves fast in the NFL. I am worried about the Cincinnati Bengals. They were on top of the AFC a few short weeks ago. They're going into 
extremely necessary bye week coming up. Zach Taylor and company have their work cut out for them in this division. As we are recording, the Pittsburgh Steelers are on top of the Bears right now. Back-to-back losses after the thumping of the Ravens, lost to the Jets. We had Andre on, and uh, you know he shared his story about that last week, and then getting crushed by the Browns. Chief, here's the Bengals' upcoming schedule for the rest of the season. I'm going to read it off to you, and you let me know how you think this is going to fare for them. I'll just give, it, I'll give you a simple in or out, as in the playoffs. At Oakland, home against Pittsburgh, home against the Chargers, home against the Niners. At Denver, home against Baltimore, home against Kansas City. Ho- at Cleveland is the final game. That's rough. The Bengals are five and four. And I think their work's cut out for them with the with that schedule to kind of wrap up their season after the bye week. Is it going to be a tough sledding for our boy Joey Bengals? What are your thoughts here? I think it's going to be tough sledding because they should have been six and two if they really wanted to make some noise, right? I don't think you can lose to the Bears and the Jets, right? I think I'm looking at one of those games as the Achilles heel so far in the season yeah I mean and look the Browns put a beat down on them like they put a beat down on the Ravens so I don't so it's like what do you make of this team here's what I make of it they're a young team and they don't know how to handle success here's why I will say that in college you can win games and you can go and play an inferior opponent and keep winning even if you don't bring your best right In the NFL, everyone's getting paid a check. Everyone's got a family that they have to go home to. Everyone's, not everyone, but you get my point, right? They've got bills and they've got a home and they've got family. They've got things they've got to take care of. And I think the Bengals might have been feeling themselves just a little bit too much after that Baltimore win because perhaps they were thinking, We've arrived now. We've got it. I haven't been at their practice facility. I don't know. But I can guarantee you the coach is telling them we haven't done anything. And so I think their youth is catching up with them. A guy like Lamar Jackson isn't going to worry about losing to the Bengals in such a big way. You know what he's going to do? He's going to get motivated. He's going to go out to the practice facility and make sure his team is focused where the young Bengals are going to rest on a Baltimore win for half of the season and perhaps lose a few more games. And, and guess what? At this rate, if they lose to the Browns again and they lose to Baltimore and they lose to the Steelers, they're not getting in the playoffs. Maybe it's – you mentioned youth, and I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with identity. And I think I think they're stuck between – handing it completely over to Joe Burrow or not. And I get it. You have Joe Mixon, who you just want to believe in, and just he just can't get through a full season. And when he's healthy, he's good. He's great. You know, Burrow drove right down the field early beginning of this game through a terrible, terrible mistake. Pick sticks, Denzel Ward on what, the two-yard, 98-yard return for a touchdown. That, that's to the change house. The game, to the house, house call. Joe Burrow. Leads the league in interceptions. As good as he is, as young as he is, you're going to have to take these lumps. And maybe this is a good transition. The silver lining is 
we are turning this thing over to Joe Burrow. He's going to make some mistakes. I mean, he has 20 touchdowns. It's not like he's not throwing the ball in the end zone. But these, it just, just might be like the from good to great thing. Like this might be the really good year. And then next season, here's the keys to the team, Joe. Like, you know, he's got the intangibles, right? He's got the IQ. He's got the arm strength. He's got the swagger. Um, you know, he's smart. And we see the developing talent around him. So I think this is going to be like the stepping stone to next season. I think we can see even gigantic things from Joe Burrow. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see how they play down the stretch. And you're right. You mentioned that word youth and we'll see them develop and grow right before our eyes and uh, see what kind of step they can take and uh, see where Zach Taylor uh, can leave things um, after the regular season is over, whether or not the Bengals are in or out looking at next year. So, um, okay. A couple more surprises here out of this week. We covered a lot of them, but to me, it's the Cardinals and the Niners. <laughs> that game uh, shocked the hell out of me. Uh, wh- how do you diagnose that one? Is that one, if you're the Niners, you just stick a Band-Aid over that thing and, and move on to next week? Or, <laughs> you're three and five now in a tough division, tough conference. Look, uh, one, two, three, Cancun. Look, so, so and here's the thing. I, <laughs> I'm not telling any team to tank, right? You need to give your best every game, and I really believe that. I feel like there's a but coming. But, but if you start looking at the season, and, and this team, look, at some point we got to look at Kyle Shanahan, right? Like this team has gone to a Super Bowl, but the success is – slowly leaving the building. John Lynch has got to do something. Now, understandably, a lot of their better players have just continually been hurt. You know, Debo's playing right now, but he's been hurt a lot. George Kittle's been hurt a lot. Jimmy Garoppolo has been hurt a lot. The ghost of Raheem Mostert is hurt a lot. <laughs> he's right? taking space, too. <laughs> right. I mean, literally. Trey Sermon, he, where's he at? Yeah, when these guys are on the field, it's incredible. Can we keep them on the field, though? And so, you know, when you start out your season game planning for this group of talent, and by the end of the season, you don't even have half of that, and they are getting some of the guys back. But I think I think the 49ers need to hit the reset button. And I'm not necessarily saying with coaching. Like, they need to go out on a retreat. You know, the end of the season – Guys, listen, bring your family. Gone fishing. Let's go on a retreat. Let's do something fun. Uh, And here's why. They've got to find a way to get their mojo back with this organization. They had it, and the mojo's just gone. But here's what I will say. If we're going to be fair, we got to be fair across the board. At some point, we got to look at Kyle Shanahan and say, what is going on? Something's not working. Now, does that mean they need to try to go out and get Aaron Rodgers? It might. Let me tell you why I say that. The Rams were stuck in the Jared Goff time-space continuum. (laughs) You're going to hear that a lot this show, at least another time. Lo and behold, they go and get Matthew Stafford. And I know they lost the game yesterday. But I think they feel a lot better about their chances of winning more football games this season than they've won in the past two years 
because they feel like they have a quarterback that can get them there. And perhaps I don't, I don't dislike Jimmy G, but perhaps the 49ers need to go and get a top tier talent quarterback when they're available. And that might fix their time space continuum. Anybody got an extra space suit or two we could borrow? I'm willing to go up there, whether I'm with Elon Musk or not, or if I'm just with you flying the ship, but we need to try and find some answers. So I think maybe we take a look ahead at this recipe for success segment and uh, take a look around the league. And um, I love hitting the reset button here on this pod with you and we get to have some fun. But uh, unfortunately, like some of this might be stale news by the weekend because there are a lot of moving pieces at this point of the season that by Friday, by Saturday, I don't know if what we're going to say now is relevant, but we're going to do our damn best here. And I'm just looking at the quarterback position here and uh, maybe we can just kind of go position by position and look at some good game environments, you know, Uh, look at some of these tags next to the players' names. I mean, Kyler Murray still has a questionable tag chief. Of course, they're hosting your Carolina Panthers this week. Aaron Rodgers, COVID-19, whether he's vaccinated or not, I I, I don't care. It's beyond me, whatever. Uh, For me is, are we going to see him or are we going to see Jordan Love at home against Seattle, right? That's all we care about for DFS. Keep the vaccinations and the politics out of it. And we get Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. You want to pause right there? I'll do whatever you want. I'm let's stuck in a- space. Let's go ahead and inject this into our veins because we did agree to talk about it. Good vaccination reference there. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr., Oof. ladies and gentlemen, has hit the waiver wire. Oof. Oof. And did you know that he has three teams that he wants to go to? Did you know this, Luke? Let me ask you that first. Did you know that he had... Three teams that he's interested in going to. I know Seattle's one. Am I right? Seattle is one. Is New England one? No, San Francisco is another one. Oh, they don't need that. They don't need that. Do they need that? Do they need that? Is that going to, it's like the Josh Gordon thing. Are they sticking the bandaid over the water, the the breaking pipe to fix what's going on? I, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I don't Beckham, know. Okay. Well, who's the third team? Who's the third team? Give me that. I'm going to give you one guess. Oh, I know who it is. On, on who, who the third team, I'm going to give you one guess. And then you can kind of maybe let me know. Oh, wow. Well, now I'm thinking it's the, it's the silver and black, baby. It's the Raiders. It's the Saints of all teams, which doesn't make it, – it's not as far-fetched as you think because he went to LSU. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Saints, 49ers, Seahawks, and I have no clue why those are the choices. Uh, I have no clue. I was going to say, what's the what's the 49ers connection? Does he know that Aaron Rodgers is going there next season and he wants to try to get that re-up in the contract? Because we're talking about two more very low-volume pass attacks that are run-heavy offenses, and he's not going to be happy. And while we're on Odell Beckham, are you buying Big Papa's mixtape? Like – is is Odell really open on these red? Okay, he did a really nice editing job because Beckham looked like he was breaking a lot of coverage and a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, offensive tapes that Beckham's dad posted on Twitter. And I, I kind of do think Beckham has some more gas left in the tank. And I wrote an article a year and a half ago that it wasn't before this season, it was before last season, 
that Mayfield throwing to Beckham, Beckham had the biggest discrepancy between air yards and real yards for whatever reason, whether it's an, a, a Mayfield accuracy thing or just not being on the same page or more likely a combination of both. They just don't got it together. It's one of them situations, much like the 76ers with Ben Simmons, where they just got to move on. It doesn't matter what Beckham turns into. It doesn't matter what, what the Browns are losing, and they're not losing much because they don't utilize the guy, it seems like. Both parties just needed to move on, I think. Yeah. So wait, are I mean, you implying that you think he ends up in Seattle since we paused here? I, I don't I don't know if it's Seattle. Um I, I'm unsure of where where I think he's gonna end up. I, I know where I feel like he he should go, right? Like there's some teams that I think if he wants to win and and kind of get in the mix, like first of all, I'd be trying to go to Green Bay. Like that would be option number one for me because I feel like it's going to give me an opportunity not only to thrive, but to possibly go on some form of a run. Having Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is the ultimate equalizer, in my opinion, for offenses. Because now, even though we might not see the same Odell that we saw five years ago, we could very well see a new improved version where he can just kind of roam free because everybody's going to key in on Devontae Adams or him and Adams can just eat together. In my opinion, it reminds me of Julio Jones and Roddy White from the Falcons where you just couldn't cover them both. It didn't matter. If you took one away, the other one was going to eat. If you took the other one away, this one was going to eat. Finally, you say, well, we'll just play too high safety and they both beat you. I think I think the Packers would be option number one for me if I was trying to get out into the free market. Next on my list, honestly, th- this one this one's probably going to shock you a little bit. It is going to be shocking, but there's a reason why I think it could work. I'd be trying to go to Tampa Bay. I just would run, just run the spread offense. I'd be trying to go run to Tampa Bay. Offense. And let me tell you why. Because when I go to Tampa Bay, I'm guaranteeing myself two things. First of all, what I'm guaranteeing myself is winning culture. Right. Tom Brady has this winning culture that he's transported with him to Tampa Bay. People have bought in. And so guess what? He's not going to be the prima donna distraction that he's going to be almost everywhere else he goes. He'll go to Tampa Bay where Antonio Brown is there, who was the ultimate distraction, but goes to Tampa Bay and you don't hear anything bad about him, right? Nothing. Tampa Tom has that team humming along. Guess what else he doesn't have to do, Luke? He doesn't have to play 98% of the snaps. He could literally go to Tampa Bay and have longevity, right? And you can swap out, you can swap out Antonio Brown for Chris Godwin for Mike Evans. And yeah, I know it's a money thing. He's over, he would be overpaid to go to Tampa Bay. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, if you want to learn how to win and you want to preserve your body, he's had a lot of injuries. He could go to Tampa Bay, play 40% of the snaps, still have really good numbers. Tom's thrown it over 40 times a game, get a championship and learn how to be in a winning culture. 
Now, if you want to go somewhere else, guess what? You know what it looks like. Odell Beckham doesn't know what it looks like to really win consistently. He's been with the Giants and he's been with the Browns. How bad could it be for a guy in his first six years of his career? Two dreadful organizations. By dreadful, I mean not winning. That's what I'm talking about. Go right ahead, Luch. I'm done because I know we got to wrap this thing up. Can he put his ego aside and be the third fiddle, the fourth fiddle? Do you want to win a championship? I don't think he does. Saquon Barkley comes into town. He's no longer the alpha. He's no longer garnering all the attention. He's probably not even the most talented player on that offense. Then there's issues. He's in a low-volume attack. It's Nick Chubb. It's Kareem Hunt, baby. We're pounding the ball. They're great at what they do. I'm not getting the ball. I'm not okay with this. Can he go there and play behind Chris Godwin, who's proven? Mike Evans, proven. Antonio Brown, injury, injured. Dare I say he's proved himself again. Bruce Arians wasn't okay with Antonio Brown coming in right away, but terrific. Tom got his way, and it worked out. Then they met halfway. I think it's on Odell yeah. Beckham to to like put the ego aside. I mean, I think you're right. Green Bay, Tampa gives him this more of a national platform for a one-year prove-it deal and then maybe get some attention in the open market, right? I mean, sign on for the rest of the year, maybe win a championship, hit the open market, maybe collect that bag if things work out for the rest of the season. But Seattle's been starving for that third weapon for years now. For reasons beyond me, they haven't been able to you know, fill in that void. I mean, David Moore's gone. He wasn't the guy. They brought in Philip Dorsett. He's not doing a damn thing. They brought in Josh Gordon, don't forget that, to try to also – be in that offense that didn't work out so i can't see the fit i can't see the fit in seattle i can see it i mean but here's the thing i mean you're talking about let russ cook i mean if odell beckham goes to seattle they've got to have a philosophy change they cannot keep handing the rock to the ghost of Chris Carson. And look, I don't have anything against Chris Carson, but he's another guy that's hurt every season. Just another guy. Richard Penny ain't the answer. Alec Collins is not the answer. So, so if you got the three set, guess what you do now? Quit drafting running backs and draft some offensive linemen. And let Odell. Uh, block it. Metcalf. Lock it. And Metcalf. I mean, good lord. Go to work. Good lord. And guess what? And they've still got Freddie Swain there. Mm-hmm. They've still got the guy from um, did he did he go to Eastern Michigan? But I mean, he was a legit stud in college wide receiver. He's hurt right now. What is his name? But he, he played in the MAC conference. Really good receiver. I mean, they could really have a quality receiver room. And and you need to and Dwayne Eskridge. That's who it is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But Listen, Dwayne Eskridge was a stud in the, the other. Mat. The other angle is here, Chief. You need to try and keep Russell Wilson happy, because in this, there, how long have we had rumors swirling? Russell Wilson's going to demand a trade. This, that, the other thing. Well, the time might be coming. Give him some help. Let him throw the football. That might be another angle. There's talent out there. Let me have it. Or I'm out next year, right? We can yeah. see that. Let, let's segue that into Russell Wilson 
could be cleared for Green Bay this week. So let's let's look at the quarterback position here. Does anybody jump out to you? Obviously, we don't know about Aaron Rodgers. If he comes back, love him at home. Love that game in general. If we see Rodgers and Wilson back, love that game. Love those prices. Should be a really good game environment. But, of course, we don't know the status of you know Rodgers or Wilson, which affects the entire game environment. That's the, that's the, the, the look ahead of the elephant in the room there. We need to know what's going on there because that could be a very interesting game to target. Lutz, let me ask you this, and I mean this wholeheartedly. What is the most interesting factor of that game for you, like right now? If I had to ask you right, what what's what's your most interesting factor? I feel like that whole game is lost in space right now. The most interesting factor of that game is which team Odell Beckham's going to sign. No, I'm just kidding. Um, can Russell Wilson really grip the football? Like, if he's going to play, to what capacity is he going to play? It's one thing to send him out there, but will they baby him? I, I don't know. Will he try to throw the ball, you know, 20, 25 times? Uh, you know, I'm starting to think about these things now. Here's what I think the most interesting factor is about that game. And I actually think it has nothing to do with Russell Wilson. I think it has everything to do with Jordan Love. Here's why I'm saying this. Over a year and a half ago, the Packers drafted a quarterback. And it made Aaron Rodgers very unhappy. Now, first of all, do we think Aaron Rodgers is a little bit petty? Maybe. Maybe. How much do you think Aaron Rodgers would be willing to stick it to Green Bay to say, yeah, you go ahead and play Jordan Love, and I'll sit out another week. And, lo- and you guys lose this game. And I'll come back and I'll drag us to the finish line the rest of the season and prove to you why you should not have brought Jared uh, 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 Love up in my wheel, up in my house. Hear hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. Jordan Love needed to be drafted. They needed a succession plan. They did not need to draft Jordan Love in the first round. It was an insult to Aaron Rodgers. I don't care what people say. It was an insult. It should have never happened. And they could have very easily got a quarterback when Aaron Rodgers was ready to to give it up. They could have had a discussion. A guy that's been at your organization pretty much the whole time, you don't do that unless unless you've had a discussion with him up front and you're saying, hey, look, we're going to take a quarterback in the first round. You're our quarterback, but we want to make sure we get some good talent that you can train and teach them the ways, the Packer way, the Aaron Rodgers way. I think Aaron Rodgers felt disrespected. And I think during this time period, this is a chance for him to stick it to the man and say, you know what? You thought you drafted my replacement? Let him have it for two weeks. And let's see what he can do. And when you look up at the scoreboard and you look around this locker room and you look around this organization and you look around the media and you see that while Jordan Love has some talent, 
He's not Aaron Rodgers, baby. I'm the only Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the I think that's the most interesting factor of this game to me. I'll leave it at that. I, I mean, I think he wants to win a Super Bowl. I I think the you know they wants to play for the bye. I, I think it's a contrarian take, and I think it would I think it'd be pretty badass if he did so. But you know that's the philosophy. He is the new Brett Favre because that's what they did when he came when Aaron Rodgers got drafted. But I think the part is. Like they didn't draft a receiver whatsoever in that draft, and they didn't draft they didn't address receiver in free agency, and they made other signings. So, uh, in in playing devil's advocate here, would you rather be in the Steelers situation and have been three fourths of the way out the door, and you're, you're you flopped with Mason Rudolph, you know, spent a late pick on him, you know, you, know, you had Hodges late pick on him, invested no equity, yeah, it sucks for Aaron Rodgers but they probably thought this guy is good enough to carry us with what we have, but they should have addressed receiver to some capacity, whether they took Jordan love or not, they needed to take some other high-ish equity and spend it on a receiver or, or a stud tight end. And they did none of that. So I kind of see both angles here, but on the flip side, there's no guarantee that Jordan Love's going to be any good either. Right. I mean, I'm not impressed with what I've seen. It's a very short sample size. And I know we're a huge advocate of letting the quarterbacks develop on this podcast. But there's also that angle where maybe Jordan Love won't be it, and then you lose twice. You lose twice by pissing off Aaron Rodgers, throwing him out to some other franchise, and Jordan Love also stinks. Could lose twice here. <laughs> you could. You could. You absolutely could. So I like it. Anyway, pricing at quarterback here. We'll, we'll quick jump around before we kind of start the Jump around. Here. Jump around. Are we going to get a, a get right spat with Dak Prescott at home against Atlanta? Dare I do this again, folks? Dare I do this again? You already know what to, to do. Well. I'm not giving you any real analysis on this. Don't outsmart yourselves, people. Nothing's wrong with Dallas. Go right back to the well against the Atlanta Falcons. You'll be fine. The shuttle will come back to Earth this coming week. Is that what you're saying? The yeah. Space shuttle? Yeah. We're, we're going to be good. 6900 on DK. Anybody else catch your eye per dollar that you're looking at? Well, I mean, Josh Allen is now down to 7900 I, I, I know I said be afraid of the Jets, but th- they, should, they should come back and, and have a good game. Um, you know, but Dak at 69 definitely feels like the play, right? It does feel like the play. Um. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. Running back, James Conner made some people a lot of money. and He as sure far, did. As far as we know, Chase Edmonds might not be in the fold. And while I'm not targeting him against Carolina, he is fairly priced. But that's not my cup of tea here. Oh, uh, we're going to lose this game. I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. <laughs> We've been terrible. Well, I mean, does that mean you're interested in Connor against your good old hometown boys or not so much? Uh, I mean, if if uh, if Edmonds is out, then absolutely. Keep an eye on that, folks. You have Jonathan Taylor, 8,100, coming off a monster week against um, the world-beating Jacksonville Jaguars. Davlin Cook, right under him against the Chargers. Horrific run defense. Najee Harris. Right under him against Detroit. Austin Eckler, right under him price-wise 
against Minnesota. Then, of course, you have Nick Chubb, who had a monster week um, against New England at 7,400, and Zeke against Atlanta. So a lot of tasty matchups on paper. Aaron Jones, if Ryan, it couldn't even get Aaron Jones going last week against the Chiefs. But if Aaron Rodgers comes back, Aaron Jones becomes another threat who's 6,900 against Seattle. And Cordell Patterson's playing 75 positions out there in the football field, had 10 yards rushing, whoop de doo but he caught 126 yards through the air. I mean, the guy is doing it all. So, yeah. wow, a lot of options at running back. And I could, I could see the ownership being really spread out for once, you know, outside of maybe one or two chalk guys. So a lot of different directions you can go here at running back. Uh, anything jump out to you specifically? I mean – so what is Alvin Kamara going to do this week, right? Because it just feels like he he kind of got there last week, right, just on targets and receptions, four for 54, had a rushing touchdown, 13 carries. Like, this is who he is. And he's at the top of the food chain this week. But my goodness, Jonathan Taylor. Match up with Jacksonville. Not going to have the same target share, but doesn't this feel like a chance for him to score two touchdowns again? I mean, it, th- th- this feels like the spot. Dalvin Cook, he couldn't ask for a better matchup. Uh, 8K against the Chargers. Like, these are the teams. Najee Harris against Detroit. This, this is such an exciting as an exciting running back week. Ezekiel Elliott, 7K against Atlanta. I just, this running back, uh, this running back pool this week, man, off the charts. I mean, I, I love it. I love it. These top running backs, I'm just going to filter through them. That's where I am at running back. Makes sense. Devontae Adams, 7,900. Seattle, A.J. Brown, (laughs) their yard market share numbers are only going to continue to rise. He had 86% 86 of Tennessee's air yard market share against the Rams on Sunday night. Incredible. Incredible. When you talked about Roddy White and uh, and Julio, was that the example you gave? Was Roddy yeah. White. Yeah, Roddy White and Julio from the old Falcons. I'm waiting for Julio and A.J. Brown to have the same effect on some teams. We'll see. Uh, but now A.J. Brown is averaging 47% of his team's air yard market share throughout the season. And, and we talked about just tying some things in here. We talked about where the hell is Travis Kelsey. Last two weeks, Tyreek Hill had 58% of the Kansas City Chiefs area yard market share in week eight. And uh, a couple days ago, 60% of the area to market share. So the eyes are locked in on Tyree kill. And uh, maybe that's part of the problem. Got to get open traps, Kelsey to, uh, to get out of space. So in- interesting stuff there. Yeah. Um, this, uh, here's the thing. I'm not as worried about the receiving core because their targets are still there. Like if their targets had fallen off the face of the earth, I'd be really concerned. Tyree kill had like 12 targets this past week. He just caught four balls. You know, Travis Kelsey, what did he have? Six or seven targets, eight targets, whatever it was. Um, like, I'm not worried about those two main pieces. I'm just worried about this offense as a whole. Something is just wrong. You know, like if they if their targets, had, like I said, fallen off, 
I'd say, okay, we got to get the ball to these weapons more. But it's not that. It's it's just not, you know? Yeah. No, you're, you're totally right. Uh, you know, it's a lot of tasty matchups on paper. Uh, seems like there could be a couple of really you know lopsided games. You know, looking at Tampa Bay at Washington. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs, we're waiting for that ceiling game, and uh, we haven't had a single thirty DK point game out of Diggs so far this season. Uh, it's coming eventually. The squeaky wheel gets the grease eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, will DeAndre Hopkins play? I know it's your Panthers. You know, will Murray play? But Hopkins is under seven K. Uh, which is interesting. And Michael Pittman, uh, you know, talk about a guy that's just turned into the alpha. 6,300 against Jacksonville. I'm just spitballing some of the ones that are standing out to me. You know, Jerry Judy, good to see him back. Eight targets last week, I think, against Dallas. Um, and a very favorable game script, too, for the running back. To You know, they were controlling clock. What I'm saying is it was a favorable skip, script for Denver, um, which means they sh- really didn't have to air it out too much. Uh, and yeah. Judy saw eight targets. So 5,300 against Philly. You know, I'm interested. Um, looks like Judy's only going to get uh, more playing time as he gets healthier throughout the season. And and I'm not doing this, but I got to give a shout-out to your boy, Robbie Anderson, who's down to 4,400, and uh, they just completely stopped throwing him the football. So, Yeah, he had one target, and <laughs> Jesus, man. Running joke of the industry. Playing Robbie Anderson this week? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, I had to. Anyway, receiver, give me a quick, in a nutshell, rundown here. I think for me, man, I'm just going to be kind of putting them in with, with my stacks. Um, that, that's kind of where I'm at this week until we really nail this thing down. That's what I'm doing, man. Yeah. I'm with you. A lot of moving parts we'll have to figure out. Um, just some other quick notes right now. The Dallas-Atlanta game, 53.5 total. Dallas are nine-point favorites over Atlanta. So super high team total there. The Bills are 13-point favorites on the road despite the egg day lead against Jacksonville. So another super high team total. Tampa Bay, just talked about them. Wow, 9.5-point favorites, 51.5 total. So, uh, you know, we have some super, super, super high team totals. Um, Luckily for us on Main Slate, Kansas City is on – Sunday night football. We won't have to worry about them. Uh, it's another sneaky one. The Vikings are just going to you know keep being involved in these sneaky shootouts. Chief four Oh five Minnesota travels to Los Angeles to take on the chargers 51 and a half total uh, two and a half point spread. So we're looking at a respectable team totals on both sides there. And uh, that's a game where I could see a pretty healthy environment for some points there. Minnesota's defense clearly um, a ton of issues. Chargers can't stop the run. Um, you know, so I think that makes for an interesting game environment as well. So just some other quick notes there. Um, just looking at the slate, anything else, you know, it's, it's super early. And as we keep moving forward, there is just too many moving parts from the time we record until like Friday, Saturday afternoon. So uh, we hope you enjoy our tangents and our, you know, uh, X's and O's talk here kind of mentality. Uh, but anything else about the slate, you know, you want to get off your chest, Chief? Nah, man. I think I'm good to go, fam. I think I am good to go. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us rant a little bit. That's what it's all about. You want to talk about offensive coordinators? You know, we got you. We got you. <laughs> you know, you want to talk about some food at the end of the podcast? We we also got you. So I'll leave the ball in your court. Do you want to have story time, or do you want to do GPP food of the day first? Listen, let, let's let's go GPP food of the day. 
Let's go GPP food today. So first of all, listen, this is just going to be a shout out. Uh, You know, a listener of the pod, that's Scott Bellina. Uh, Listen, man, first of all, Scott, thank you personally from the bottom of my heart. uh, You know, shot me out some sauce. He's got a brand, Bayou Gotham Hot Sauce. Listeners, please go out. Grab this stuff online, okay? Scott sit, shot me a, a four-pack to the house. Um, High-quality stuff. I've been using I think it arrived either on Thursday or Friday. I've been using it since then. Uh, they've got a Louisiana boil that I think is my personal favorite right now. And I think Scott knew that because of the low country boil that we have here in the Carolinas. But they've got a Ruby, Ruby Rebel. Or Ruby Rebel, let's go. It's either Ruby Rebel, I guess Ruby Rebel. I used that one on some some grilled chicken. Fantastic. I haven't used the Caribbean Creole or the Tropic Jalapeno yet, but I am on my way to using all four flavors. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Bayou Gotham hot sauce brand. It's been around since 2019. Go out. And send Scott Bellina, Scotty, a.k.a. Scotty Peppers. Send him some business. Really good stuff. Uh, Scott sent me a four-pack. I'm going to order some more of this stuff. Scott, uh, I, if, you, if you're listening to this pod, I don't know how many Louisiana boils I can order at a time, but they will be getting shipped to the crib. Thank you again, my friend. Bayou Gotham. Hot sauce bread. Fantastic stuff. I love that. I love, you know, we've got some great feedback over the last two years when we've done some podcasts with the food of the day. We start talking about places up and down the East Coast. And before you know, we got this Twitter interaction going on. And uh, really cool to hear where everyone likes to eat. Everybody's passionate about their favorite local spots or, or what they make or what they cook or what their businesses are. And we want to hear what you guys got. So, Scott, you know, I, if there's anybody's, uh, word I take it's the Chiefs when it comes to eating, so uh, I'll have to definitely get on the bubble here with your hot sauce. And thanks for being a fan of the podcast. And uh, listen, that was like the first real shout out we've ever given with someone's brand, so I know that is some quality stuff you got over there, Scott. So uh, thanks for that. My GBP food of the day is here for to ask you, Chief, is do you like bagels? I do, okay, I know that's uh carb city but uh, i was back in new york that's where i was born and i have some family up there this weekend i was up in long island man and if you know if you frequently travel the bridges it's just so much more time consuming than it used to be it doesn't matter when you leave if you're trying to get through to long island or connecticut or rhode island and you got to go through the throgs neck or the george washington um, a trip that used to take me three and a half to get out to my family takes me four and a half now here in PA, which is fine. You know what you're signing up for, but you know, I was stuck in the car with my parents and my girlfriend who was three backseat drivers driving through the, the cross Bronx expressway. I was like, guys, just shut up. Don't talk to me for 40 minutes. Don't even look out the window because we are cutting everybody off out here. You got to do what you got to do when you're driving through bridge traffic in the city. Uh, and if you're from Long Island, I know, I know, I know Steve from RG is from Long Island. So he knows what I'm talking about when you're going from New York to New Jersey. It's mayhem. Um, anyway, bagels, pizza, that's where it's at in New York. And boy, did I bring two dozen bagels 
back with me. And I don't know what it is about bagels, not only in New York, but Long Island specifically. There might actually be something in the water. I don't know. That's what rumor has it. But there's nothing like a Long Island bagel. My question to you is, you got a favorite kind of bagel, Chief, and or cream cheese. Are you a cream cheese guy? You go a butter? You know, how do you how do you eat this fine breakfast delicacy? Listen, I, I don't like cream cheese. I'm a, I'm a butter guy. Uh, um, but I do like a good apple jelly. Uh, but, but any type of bagel I'm going to eat, man, if I can get some cinnamon in that thing, whew, sign me up. Cinnamon sugar, uh, any type of bagel that's going to give me cinnamon sugar. And I do like poppy seed bagels as well. Poppy seed bagels, bagels are good. But if I can get some cinnamon and sugar in that thing, make cinnamon chunks or anything that I can just take a bite of like that, sign me up. Butter it, put some apple jelly on it. Mm. It's a winner. You're a winner. I'm a traditional everything fan or, or egg everything. It's pretty popular over there in New York. Uh, get some veggie cream cheese. You know, um, or even maybe some, uh, you want to get a little, fa- you know, a little spice going on. We're talking about some spice, a little horseradish cheddar, maybe the feel, you know, if, if you got a bathroom on standby and don't have a long commute, you know, get a little spice all up in you. Um, but yeah, everything, egg, everything has to be toasted perfectly though. Um, but Long Island bagels, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, there ain't nothing like a Long Island bagel. Story time, chief. You got anything for me? What's up your sleeve here, buddy? So story time, really, really interesting story. Let's talk about it. Here's my question. Do you like Walmart, Justin Carlucci? How fond of you are, uh, how how fond are you of Walmart? (laughs) I'm about to get judged. Um, no, 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 no judgment here. How fond am I? No well, judgment. I, I will say I grew up in a really rural area, and there was as, a, as did I, as a, did I. A Walmart Supercenter four minutes away from me. I the closest mall to me, other than that Walmart, is a half an hour drive. Like the closest anywhere else to get anything other than just groceries was like connecting flight type stuff. Um, so I wouldn't say, I, I am like indifferent about Walmart. I think in my area, I was fortunate. We had a really clean super center, you know, it, mm-hmm. listen, some of the Walmarts, you know, just like any other store, some of them just ain't got it, man. Like, you know, but we had a pretty well put together Walmart, you know, super center groceries, whole nine. It's like, I was okay with going to Walmart, you know, 24 hours. I worked second shift for years. I didn't really have a choice. So I wouldn't say I was a Walmart fanboy. But uh, I wasn't exactly, uh, you know, I don't have problems with Walmart. I'm cool with Walmart. Okay. Here's my thing with Walmart and why I'm giving you this story. Anytime you go in Walmart now, there are no registers open. It doesn't matter if you've got a whole buggy full of food. You've literally got to check yourself out how crazy is that so walmart 
if you're listening to this, and it wasn't me, okay? It wasn't me. But I went in Walmart the other day. <laughs> it wasn't and you've him. Got, you've, it wasn't got a, him. you've got a grandmother and two or three grandkids, and they want candy and cookies and cereal and all of this stuff. And grandma's got broccoli and chicken and all of these things in the buggy. And grandma goes through the aisle. Kids pulling on her. Can I get this? Can I get that? Waited in the line for five minutes because they only had what? Self-checkout. Only to get to the front, Carlucci. And it's card only. Oh, and grandma straight cash, homie. Right? And grandma wants to pay with cash. Walmart, we've got to do better. That is my story time. We need more, more options. We need to accommodate everyone. Yes. My stepfather isn't exactly grandma age yet. Well, I guess he's close. But this man has gotten through life. He's never owned a piece of plastic, never owned a debit card, never owned a credit card. And no, there is no hole in my backyard with random money in it. His pension's not buried back there. I promise. Don't even come by. It's uh, he—he's straight cash. And straight I just, cash, homie. I—it's a rarity. It's a rarity. I mean, hey, I'm millennial. I, I'm card heavy, right? I mean, I'll carry a couple bucks on me, but you know. It's just, uh, yeah, let's, let's do better. Let's do better. Um, my story time is I did bring my parents to a concert. My mom was obsessed with a band growing up in the New York, Long Island area. I don't think they're nationally known, but they kind of have like a cult following. Like, and I mean that as in like, there are diehards, right? They're, they're around. Uh, and the band was called Zebra. Big in the 70s, 80s. They played some rock, a lot of cover stuff. Uh, anyway. It was just cool to get back, and they're playing in Long Island. So that's you know why we went. I was a good uh, a good son. Brought my parents, Ubered to the venue. Had you know a couple expensive mixed drinks. You know we we're a couple of rows from the stage. There's a couple thousand people in the venue out in Westbury, Long Island, and uh, it was just cool to see live music. I don't even care if it was you know Tom and Jerry strumming a banjo. Like it was cool to do something you know, fairly normal. I've done some stuff, but it was cool to be in a you know. Uh, a regular kind of environment and it sounded pretty good, but uh, I, I was fortunate enough to, at the end of the show, the bass guitarist threw two guitar picks into the audience and I caught one, but it kind of just landed on me and it made my mom's weekend. I, I had and, and five minutes before that, I was like in the bathroom and like getting, because I knew we were going to leave soon. I wasn't even sitting there and I wouldn't have got it. It would have fell to the floor and someone else would have caught it. So I for once was in the right place at the right time. I've been to a lot of ball games and stuff, Chief. I've never caught a foul ball and like a real, you know, not a real invo- a game or anything like that. But I caught this guy's guitar pick, and I thought that was pretty cool because I never got that lucky with anything before. So that was my story time, man. You ever catch a foul ball or anything anywhere? I have uh, minor league baseball down here, Charleston Charleston River Dogs. Uh, I have absolutely caught a fly ball, and I've even got a home run ball. Oh wow! Yeah. Very nice. Who was it? Um, it wasn't uh, Aaron Judge. I can tell you that. I actually think it was the cousin of Juan Soto, oh. believe it or not. 
because Juan Soto's cousin was in there. I think that's who hit the home run. Very nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Hey, man, you've been at Roto Grinders a little longer than I have. I've been here, what, a year and a half now? And what are you coming up on now with the team? Oh, three, four, somewhere up in there. Hey, man, uh, big shout out to the company. You want to give a quick shout out to uh, to Cam and Cal, man? I mean, I'm sure people who are listening saw some of the news on, on social media or LinkedIn or Twitter or, or whatever. But uh, I know, you know, you've been with the team longer. And, of course, Dan Bach now, too, along with the list of people who are uh, going to be in different roles. And it's no secret anymore. And you know, people have been announcing it. So, yeah, man, give me give me a quick a quick shout to the boys out there at RG and uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Cam Cal, just great guys, man. Um, and, and they should still be around some can't wait to get to Nashville in February. I can tell you that right now. Uh, th- this is, this is probably going to be a pretty memorable one for us because this might be the last, it may, it may not be, but this is kind of the, in my opinion, you know, not their egg, their their exit completely, but the last official RG Super Bowl party with them kind of at the helm, and so I'm I'm really excited about it. Always a good time when we get up there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty pumped to get there, walk around the office, see everybody, see you in person, man. COVID kind of you know took away that part of our our, our company fun, but uh, to be able to get up there in Nashville, be downtown. You know, it's it's always a good time. So I'm I'm really excited and hats off to Cam and Cal to have built what I consider to be the pillar of DFS analysis websites. And uh, for that to happen and for them to, you know, reap the rewards of that, uh, it's like sending your, your kid to college. And I haven't sent a kid to college yet, but it's coming real soon. And uh you know, you just want them to be the best version of themselves so they can go out and, and and be a good person in the world. And that's how I feel feel about them in this business. You know, they handled it with care, made some mistakes, I'm sure. But in the end, uh, this has been probably the most successful DFS platform in the history of DFS. In fact, Roto Grinders is DFS. Roto grinders and DFS are synonymous, right? I mean, they 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 just did a tremendous job, and now Dan gets to lead this thing into the future. And listen, Dan's an, if 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 you don't believe in Dan Bach, you know uh, Dan, Dan is is one of the best recruiters of talent I think I've seen, and I and I'm saying that because he re, he recruited me uh, and you. And everybody and a lot of other people. No, I'm serious. Like a real Dan, quick toot of his own horn there. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, but but no, and, and I don't mean that arrogantly. I'm saying Dan has been willing to take chances with talent. Yeah. And he's reaped the rewards of that, right? You know, who who's the next hidden gem in, in DFS analysis? And when you can find that, Dan has done a spectacular job at just at doing just that. And so I, you know. Love Dan, man. Uh, like I always say, you know, I owe a lot of my DFS career success to him for taking a shot at me. We just kind of hit it off at a live final. And a few months later, I was recording a podcast with Mangone and Stevie and hopping on live shows, did my first live show with Chop and, you know, provided me opportunities to do written content and so forth and so on. And I've kind of carved my niche out in this business in the props game. Like it's, you know, 
So it's it's, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm only looking forward to uh, more success. For sure, man. Well said. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Cam Cal, thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Dan, of course, same. Um, and I think you're right. RG is DFS and it's kind of been the all-in-one hub because not only is it fantastic analysis and tools, but uh, if there's news, like we're going to be on top of it. If there's live finals, you know, they're there covering it or whatever, you know, keeping tabs on the industry collectively in some way, shape or form. Uh, when I was at the 2017 FanDuel NBA final in Miami, um, I knew Roto Grinders. I don't really, I don't really know Dan that much though. Um, and I'm like that bald guy over there interviewing people. I want to be interviewed. Uh, things didn't work, work, uh, work out. And uh, I was a couple of patrons deep as I was climbing up the leaderboard. And uh, I was like, man, I really wanted to see what that was about. Little and didn't think I would have the opportunity to be working uh, for Dan and Roto Grinders and getting to know him. You know, uh, it's funny how how things work out. Uh, you know, when you grind, when you network, and um, you know, big shout out to Dan. You're gonna you know, do phenomenal in the role, and uh, we believe in you, man. We believe in you, buddy. You deserve it, and uh, definitely excited for the future here at Roto Grinders and the Chief. Now, keep pumping out some content. Uh, like and subscribe, of course. Give us some feedback. Hey, shoot us uh, some stuff on Twitter. Talk to us about some food. Hopefully, uh, you're able to have some fun and some success with some of the nuggets uh, we've been dropping. And um, hopefully, in the future, we'll uh, get on some NBA stuff again together because that's our bread and butter, uh, as as they would say. But NFL's been a blast with you, Chief, as well. Where can the people find you on Twitter? And then we're about to head out of here. On Twitter, at ChiefJustice06. That's where I am. Cool. Uh, look me up at the J Carlucci. Tell me if you know a thing or two about Long Island traffic uh, or bagels. So hit me up or hit the chief up until next week. That's Will Priester. I'm Justin Carlucci. Enjoy your week and good luck, everybody.